Today's episode is brought to you by Relevant Digital, proudly presenting Relevant Yield. Hey, publishers and sales networks, ever dreamed of managing pre-bid without breaking a sweat? How about real-time performance analytics, total SSP control, consolidated revenue reporting, and overall efficiency to supercharge your ad sales? Well, dream no more. Introducing Relevant Yield, the unified platform for programmatic sellers an independent solution that develops with the industry trends, showing you the way to the bright media sales future. Get to know us, and soon you'll wonder how you got along without. And here's the kicker. Mention this podcast, and we'll send you the trendiest socks in town. Learn more by visiting relevantyield.com. Welcome to the AdTech God Pod, your window into the world of advertising technology and the people behind it. I'm your host, AdTech God. Welcome, AdTech enthusiasts, to another episode of the AdTech God Pod. Hi, I'm your host, AdTech God. This podcast focuses on the people behind the technologies. Each guest I host has a different story. Some come from a background in media, some in tech, and some just stumbled into the industry out of sheer luck and opportunity. That's what makes this podcast different. It's the people and their journeys that make AdTech great. If you haven't listened before, you can on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and more. We have an awesome guest today on the podcast. Sarah Camden is currently the head of product marketing, mobile app performance at Inmobi. Inmobi is a mobile advertising technology company that specializes in providing advertising and marketing solutions for mobile devices and apps. Sarah has worked for companies like ChaCha, Fibonomics, Epsilon, and Equifax, and has a great perspective and view on the industry, specifically mobile, with her time at Inmobi. Without further delay, let's meet Sarah. Sarah, welcome to the AdTech God Pod. Thank you so much, AdTech God. I am absolutely delighted to be here. And I just have to pause and say how much fun it's really been watching your community blossom these past few years. You know, it really kind of started as what I thought might be a run-of-the-mill meme account, but it's turned into something much more of that, a really valuable resource to the industry, a support group, and has added a lot of levity to our daily lives. So thank you so much for what you do. And again, just delighted to be here. Thank you. I know. I know that you've you've obviously we've interacted quite a bit on X or Twitter over the years, and and you've been a huge support. It has evolved over time. I think it will continue to do so. But really, just having fun and trying to spread some positivity during what is a kind of an odd year, to say the least. To say the least. So, Sarah, you obviously have an incredible background. You you work at a great company like Inmobi, who who's obviously very well known in the market. But how did you get into ad tech and how did you start? Yeah, yeah. Great question, ad tech God. Um, I really was one of those that kind of lucked into it a bit from some fortuitous timing. So I'll take you on a little walk through my ad tech eras in keeping with the zeitgeist of uh, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey that are distracting everyone right now, <laughs> including myself. Yeah. So, you know, I, I grew up in the era of, you know, what some call Generation Oregon Trail, where one foot was kind of squarely and the old non-digital analog world, and then one foot squarely in the digital world, you know, kind of as I came in age. And actually, I have to give my dad, who is a tomato farmer, a lot of credit for nurturing my passion for technology that ultimately parlayed into ad tech. So, you know, you think farming, that's not necessarily the most innovative industry that might be out there. But, you know, I, I'm here to dispel that myth and that it's quite an innovative industry and in that my dad was always a first mover with anything tech related. 
So, you know, he was the first person I knew who had one of the big bag mobile phones. We were the first family at school who had the internet. So I was one of those who had all my buddies coming over on the weekend, huddling over my shoulder, watching this magical new digital world that was cropping up. You know, so I, I actually recognized pretty quickly, you know, as we entered the the search era with Yahoo and Google really taking off that, you know, the fuel that was making all this happen was was advertising. So, you know, when I went to college, I studied marketing and computer science, you know, in hopes that, you know, those might be the best uh, learning paths for, you know, becoming a part of this world, which seemed like it was going to be a big deal at that point in time, as turned out to be true. So after that, you know, I spent a handful of years out of school, you know, doing um, various digital marketing, experiential marketing roles at agencies, as well as, you know, client side uh, marketing opportunities. And then 2009 was really um, when I dove headfirst into the, the ad tech bedlam, if you will. That's when I started working at ChaCha, which at that time was a very hot venture-backed startup. You know, Jeff Bezos was one of our investors. And it really functioned as like an early uh, mobile search engine and a bit of a social platform. Um, but it was right before kind of the app ecosystem took flight. You know, the iPhone had come out in 2007, but, you know, hadn't really, you know, reached critical mass yet. And ChaCha, you know, emerged initially as the top mobile search engine. So we got a lot of attention for that. It burned really bright for a time and then kind of crashed and burned because, you know, they missed some of the key pivots, you know, such as moving to the app-driven economy. You know, you might recall any of you who've been around during that era, you know, Mark Zuckerberg kind of came out in 2011, made this very bold proclamation that, you know, Facebook is becoming a mobile-first company. And got laughed at a little bit, including by myself, you know, in, in the, the app context. And I actually am embarrassed to say I, I wrote an academic white paper at that time about why the, uh, the app economy was, was not ready for prime time yet. And I must say that, uh, you know, Mark really got me on that one. So, you know, after Chacha kind of fell by the wayside. You know, that's when I, I took a jump over to Equifax, you know, tried my hand at sort of big corporate America. I spent about seven years there and got to wear a, a whole lot of different hats. You know, I, I did some product marketing on the uh, SaaS side, uh, as well as for some of the data products. And then I actually transitioned and took over digital strategy for the company where I had responsibility for digital media budgets, as well as ad tech and, and martech and our agency relationships. And during that time, one of my little wild rides was I got to live through the largest data breach of all time, which I think it may still hold that record. So that that was certainly quite an adventure and had a lot of sleepless nights then. And then kind of rounded out my time uh, taking a crack at more of a business development and partnerships role, you know, working with ad tech players, you know, DSPs, DMPs, and the big self-attributing networks on, you know, different joint innovation initiatives um, between them and Equifax. Um, and then after that is when I moved over to Vibonomics, which you mentioned before, kind of jumped back into startups, which is, you know, where a lot of my heart still lives. And that was actually a really um, an interesting play. You know, this, I'll call it my streaming era. And that company really sat at kind of the intersection of streaming audio, digital out of home, as well as retail media. Um, so what they did was essentially crafted uh, streaming radio stations for uh, public spaces and retailers. So think like grocers, convenience stores, home improvement stores, anywhere where there's a lot of different consumer goods manufacturers shopping the shelves, 
you know, that's a lot of uh, sort of built-in advertisers to sell to. So we sold ads programmatically to players like that. You know, Kroger was probably our biggest partner. And then 2020 rolled around and people stopped uh, leaving their houses so much. So that, that sort of brought my journey there to an end. But I will say during my time there that I coined the term audio out of home or A-O-O-H that has actually become standard industry parlance now. So that's certainly one of my little milestones or feathers in the cap that I'm somewhat proud of. Pretty incredible how, what an impact COVID had on businesses. So obviously the audio out of home, and then and then you look at the digital out of home, you know, during the COVID time was was brutal on that industry. And then it quickly oh, rebounded once we got mobile again and left the homes. But man, COVID really caused some destruction to specific industries. Yeah, it, it did. Unfortunately, my whole team wound up being casualties because you yeah. can't market inventory that's not there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty tough. Um, and then you moved, so you're like you've you've moved quite a bit. So you went from from marketing to business development. Now you're into product marketing at Imobi. What what are you focusing yeah. on at Imobi today? Yeah, yeah. So I, I say now I'm kind of in my my privacy first era. I spent a little time at, at Epsilon where I focused on their core ID identity graph. And this was a return to a former adventure at Publicis Group, which is one of the places I started at. And then I jumped over to Inmobi. And the reason why really is that, you know, I've, I'd lived through a couple of these pivotal points where, you know, maybe the company wasn't looking out ahead on the horizon and more focused on short-term gains. But Inmobi, you know, a former boss of mine actually persuaded me to come over there and what really sold me was how, you know, they were making bold moves and kind of looking towards the future versus staying caught up in the here and now. We talk about data deprecation and identity a lot, app tracking, transparency, et cetera. But there's been a lot of workarounds to that where we haven't necessarily as an industry felt the full effect. But, you know, in Mobi, what I really liked is that they were making the investments in the future that's inevitable, which is a, a future that really operates um, without identifiers. And we've got a long ways to go to get there collectively as an industry, but it's been a lot of fun for me just getting to dig in and really learn about the nuts and bolts of, you know, like Apple's privacy preserving attribution framework, also known as SK Ad Network or SCAN, as well as what's going on with Privacy Sandbox. You know, and kind of really feeling like I'm on the cutting edge of those things and, and new emerging solutions to address those things and help advertisers along that journey. You could really teach me a lot about Privacy Sandbox because I'm trying to wrap my head around it. I understand <laughs> in some aspects how it works, but I feel like I don't have the clarity to speak to it yet. Um, as you know, I'm, I'm constantly learning and trying to educate myself. But Privacy Sandbox is something that I definitely feel like there's a gap in knowledge that I'm, uh, you know, leaning on the community to try to help me out and, and just get a good grasp around it. So over, over your pretty cool career, I mean, working at Cha Cha, as you mentioned, Equifax, what do you feel in your career was, was the greatest highlight? Because you've worked at some great companies, obviously, and Moby is, is a fantastic company. But what is the biggest highlight that you feel you're proud of? Yeah, yeah. The biggest highlight I'm proud of right now is that I am known colloquially as the scan queen. You know, because of what I've invested in both learning such a complicated uh, framework, but then really educating and evangelizing both internally as well as externally. You know, I, I actually have developed like an hour long class and I go and teach agencies, advertisers, 
you know, and it's really great. Um, you know, as a marketer, we're often a step removed from the end customer in the B2B world because, you know, there's sellers and account managers, but just getting to sit in the room like marketer to marketer and have those candid conversations with them, you know, with some of the biggest brands in the world, like I found incredibly rewarding and, and it really helps me hone my craft too, because there's just no substitute for getting that direct uh, voice of customer feedback. I'm going to officially call you the scan queen moving forward. And I recommend it is that written. There you, you, change, you change your handle on, on Twitter and just make it scan queen moving forward. So I, There's... so you're obviously like well-versed in, in mobile, you're well-versed in privacy and identity without jumping forward into really the direction of the industry. But how do you feel the industry in particular right now is, is coping with all the change? Cause it is a lot of change, a lot of regulation. Um, it seems to be constantly shifting um, state by state, you know, government by government or country by country. Um, how do you feel about the overall state today? Yeah, you know, it's it's a really fascinating time to be alive in ad tech, if you will. You know, we've been talking about identity and data deprecation and privacy sandbox, et cetera, kind of ad nauseum for years. And, you know, one of the fears is that there's a, a little bit of apathy at this point, it's like a little bit of a boy cried wolf scenario. But, you know, it's been really interesting, especially this past year, to just see some of the chess pieces moving on the board that are indicating that we may finally be getting towards, you know, the end of this journey into the the fully privacy safe era. You know, so the, the biggest piece of advice that I'm giving to advertisers right now is to not be complacent, you know, and if you if you don't have plans in motion for, you know, how to survive without identifiers uh, in a performance-driven world, then you should start getting those plans in motion. And if you do have plans, that's great. You are ahead of the game and you should work on accelerating that, you know, because Apple just in iOS 17, you know, they have some changes that have just come out that will go into full effect next year that, you know, are, are going to inhibit some of the workarounds that folks have come to rely on that have, you know, ultimately shielded us from a lot of the full effects of app tracking transparency. So there's a little bit of a wake-up call when all of this uh, goes into effect. But, you know, the good news is, is that a lot of ad tech players, like in Moby and lots of others, there's many scan kings and queens out there. Uh, you know, Eric Suford, I know, did an episode with you a little while back. You know, he's a great resource on this stuff, too. So, you know, a lot of this heavy lifting has been happening in the background. So, you know, if that journey hasn't started for you as an advertiser or as an agency looking to help their clients, like, you know, lean on those ad tech partners. They, they've done a lot of this work and can really help accelerate your journey and, and get you up to speed so you don't miss a beat and wind up in a scenario where a Band-Aid gets ripped off and you're left flat-footed. Yeah, I feel like there, there are particular partners that I work with on, on a regular basis that feel like partners. There are other partners yep. that feel like vendors. It's the partnerships and, and even what you're doing with the one-hour classes and education and educating your, your, your publishers or the agency side is really key. There are a lot of ad tech companies that don't invest in that and don't invest in their people doing that. I don't think it should be an extracurricular for employees. I actually think it should be part of their role is, hey, if you're an expert in a particular field or a particular product or initiative, you should be out in market educating. It's good for both the individual's career path, as well as the company's growth um, as subject matter experts in, in, in the field. 
And so I love that you do that uh, on behalf of Inmobi, and I'm, I'm I'm very happy to hear that Inmobi supports that, and I think that's huge. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, that's that's been a really encouraging thing is is when a company will get behind something like that, where it's hard to draw that direct line of of uh, ROI, but um, you know, I think the the benefits just pay off in spades in a number of fronts, and it's just good karma, you know. It is good karma. I'm all about karma. I do think that. When when you look at companies like Inmobi, when you look at companies that are well-established with a global footprint, um, with offices all around the world, becomes a bigger challenge to keep the same messaging and keeping in touch with regulation as they vary from you know country to country. Do you find that in particular is really hard to do, or are you regionalized in terms of compliance by country or compliance by, I guess, government? How do you guys do that in particular? Yeah, yeah. It certainly is a complicated matrix world that we live in, you know, and there are very different market dynamics. You know, we're headquartered in India, um, so we've got a really strong footprint over there. Um, Then we have local presence in um, EMEA as well. You know, I, I tend to focus most of my time on North America and Europe. But I definitely stay apprised, especially in the bigger markets that have a, a strong iOS footprint and APAC. You know, I spend a lot of time there. And it's just really interesting to see what the the different wants and needs are of the advertisers and just how the whole dynamics work in their markets. You know, there's there's a lot of synergies, but there are nuances too. So it's been kind of a fun experience to get more exposed to that. You know, I haven't had that before in a past life to the extent that I have now. And one of the things that, that really helps me out is having, you know, pretty solid experience, like from the client perspective where I've been the buyer um, and have been amongst peers there. So I think that certainly helps me um, translate more quickly to, to understanding the needs of these different markets. How do you, and I'm kind of jumping all around the board today, um, how do you keep yourself up to date with all those changes? Uh, in terms of, you know, iOS updates, Android updates, regulation, like it's really hard to stay up to date with all the changes we face in our industry. I mean, what do you do personally or what do you recommend to people that are listening? Uh, what do you read? Where do you watch to kind of keep yourself up to date on on particular topics? Yeah, yeah. Great question. You know, what, one of the great things that's cropped up just the last few years is all these very vibrant um, Slack communities. I was always a Twitter addict and, you know, things have changed there a little bit the last couple of years, but I've noticed these really great, you know, very laser focused communities crop up on Slack, you know, like Eric Sufer, he's great with his mobile dev memo group. Like that's, that's really a lifeline for the mobile space in particular. And, you know, your new Slack community, Antic God is, uh, is not slacking either. It's, it's becoming a really um, great go-to destination you know, ad exchange is always great. All of the trade associations. So, you know, keeping track of what IAB is doing and ANA, you know, all, all the major trade associations as well. And and still keeping tabs on the influencers on Twitter. You know, there's a lot of folks that are still active there, as well as using tools for monitoring like Google and Apple's websites, you know, like Distill, I think is the one that I use to, you know, track certain pages or areas of their documentation, making sure to sign up for any of their RSS feeds and newsletters, you know, just kind of internet stalking them. 
and you know where you can build relationships like apple's a little bit more walled off but you know like google's a major partner of ours and we're working with them on you know testing the privacy sandbox specifically the android side of the coin you know so building those relationships kind of the key infrastructure players like that is also incredibly helpful when you can when i had the podcast with eric suford he he commented on don't ever think you know what's going on with apple nothing really leaks <laughs> If it's leaked, it's intentional. Yeah. And, and if you think it's a leak, it's probably not real. Uh, I don't hear that as much about uh, Google. I think Google is a little bit more yeah. transparent in what they're trying to build. And, and they're a little bit more open about you know, any types of changes they want to implement across their, their world. But Apple is, is very much so closed off. Uh, you, you do not hear anything until basically they're ready to announce it. Yeah, it's it's really impressive, you know, the the, uh, the company cultures, you know, and it's just a different strategic direction. It's not necessarily right or wrong, but I have noticed it changing ever so slightly, just maybe over the past year where, you know, Apple is coming to the table a little bit more and having discussions or asking for some feedback. Um, it's not necessarily a two-way dialogue quite yet, but at least, you know, the the bridges are being built, if you will. That's good. That's great to hear. Um, I'm happy they're doing so. I think we need to all together in order to move things yeah. forward. And I think short notice isn't usually the best path uh, to make sure everything works correctly. So the more notice we have, the better. So if anyone from Apple is yeah. listening, tell us what's <laughs> yes, going on. We'll, we will welcome you. We, we don't we bite. We will welcome you. We um, don't bite. Hard. Yeah, um, yeah, and I'm on high uh, alert right now. SBR yeah, we're all Network on. version five should be coming out any day now. They've promised it by the end of 2023. So it's incredible. I've got all my my feelers on high alert. You're just waiting for the notification to come through at this point, Sarah. Yeah, and then I have to drop what I'm doing and unpack it. <laughs> exactly. How yeah. about any major? successes that you feel like you've, you've been involved, obviously there's, there's the challenge, right? Obviously COVID had an impact on one of your employers and that's, that's terrible. And that's always not a very positive thing to talk about, but what, what about some successes either at Inmobi or elsewhere that you're, you're genuinely just proud of that, that you can, you know, tell the world, you know, I did this and I'm, I'm so happy I did. You know, I'm, I am really proud of just the growth trajectory that Inmobi is on. I feel like it's been a really big success, especially the part of the part of the business that I'm a part of, which is the performance side, which hasn't really been around that long. You know, and Moby as a company has been around for quite a while since 2007, I believe, is when they were founded. But the exchange side has been sort of the, the big 800-pound gorilla piece of the business. Uh, the DSP has only been out for a few years, so sort of a late entrant to the mobile performance space. But it's come with some advantages uh, because it doesn't sort of have all that technical debt of the legacy um, ID-based world. And so we've built some new infrastructure from the ground up, and it's really grown in, in leaps and bounds. And specifically on the iOS side, which is where I've spent a lot of my focus, like we've gotten a lot of momentum, you know, helping big advertisers adopt Scan. You know, many of those advertisers that I mentioned doing these classes for and their agencies you know, have become really big customers. So it's really exciting just to see the growth trajectory of that, that business and knowing, you know, what we have ahead of us to conquer as a mobile industry. You know, I feel like we're in a, a great position that I'm, I'm really proud of and that we're well suited to help more advertisers sort of make that leap into the privacy first era. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes in, into the next topic. Like, obviously, as, as, as the 
industry evolves and as regulation changes, as OSs change, as buying behaviors change and selling behaviors change, it is quite impressive to see in Moby, in my opinion, over the last year and a half or two years, really has rebounded in the market. I know they've been around and I know that they've had a very solid place in the mobile world for many years. But I'm definitely hearing a lot more about Inmobi in the last year and a half, particularly around the demand that they can generate on behalf of publishers and the monetization that they can generate. Um, that's what I've been hearing the most of. Yeah, so I'm really glad that you you feel those sentiments. I'm, I'm glad that the work that we're putting in is is uh, resonating, and I hope that we we continue on that track. As obviously your, your, your demand gen is, is increasing, monetization is improving. Obviously, we've seen a lot of change and, and consolidation in the mobile world over the last few years. Where do you see in Moby heading with all the AI buzz, with all the regulation buzz? Um, how do you see in Moby playing a role in the next 12 to 24 months? Yeah, yeah, great question. You know, AI is becoming um, a more and more pivotal piece of the pie as, you know, certain data signals go away. Like we have the advantage now of, of having much more advanced machine learning capabilities and things that, that we didn't have years ago. So that is definitely coming to the fore and, and bridging that gap. So I would envision us continuing to innovate with that sort of being a, a key pillar as you know, the, this journey progresses towards um, you know completely losing out on identifiers and having to, having to embrace new ways of doing things, and also you know I see the app economy evolving some too, and, and new discovery mechanisms coming to the fore. You know this is more prevalent outside of the United States right now, but is coming here too. But um, you know different media placements that live outside of of the app ecosystem more so on the home screen and the lock screen of your phone. Um, so we do have sort of a separate division or entity, the company called Glance, um, that's backed by Google, has a huge presence in APAC, and we're getting ready to launch that piece in the United States early next year um, with an on-device media product that focuses on the, the folders on your home screen. So, you know, surfacing other apps that someone might like based on, you know, the type of category it is like shopping, for example. So there's emerging opportunities like that. A lot of innovation happening in that area, not just within Moby, but other companies that kind of break free from, you know, the, the app store confines that, you know, we live within with the iOS app store and the, the Google Play store. You definitely know the mobile world really, really well. Obviously, I, I don't know if you know this, but I'm part of the Markitecture TV network, the new audio ad network or podcast ad network with Eric Paparo. Eric Suford is part of mm -hmm. that. I would love to hear you talk to Eric Suford. I'm going to ask him um, and see <laughs> as he's rolling out his podcast too, because I think you guys could really, yeah. really nerd out there because this oh, is yeah. the world. We're we acquainted. We, we're acquainted. We have a, a, an online relationship for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. He's a really good guy to know. Great. I mean, I, this is basically the end of the podcast. So it's, we're about 30 minutes in any advice to ad tech professionals or, or, or specifically people entering the market right now uh, that you'd like to give? 
Yeah, yeah. For one, I would just say to stay curious and don't get too comfortable. You know, change is sort of the name of the game here. Um, you know, the way I've, I've been able to keep evolving in my career is just being a, a lifelong student. And a big part of that, which, you know, Eric Sufert's really good at, is keeping track of the market dynamics. You know, read the annual reports of some of the key players. Just see kind of what their motivations are. It really helps you sort of predict not just what's now, but what's coming over the horizon, which can help you plan out your career, uh, as well as be a, a resource to your employer and your customers. And another biggie, I think, is just to not let yourself get intimidated. Like this industry is so rife with shop talk and acronyms. And if you're coming into it as kind of a newbie, it can be really intimidating and almost designed to make you feel dumb. So, you know, don't be afraid to raise your hand and ask questions. I think it's a good grounding thing for those around you because sometimes we do just sort of get in our shop talk zone and we forget like, oh, yeah, maybe not everybody knows this acronym or maybe it means something different in a different industry. So I think it does everybody a service when you kind of bring everybody back down to earth. Yeah, I think I think the staying curious part is great. I think if there's one thing that negatively impacts someone's career is just being comfortable, just not wanting to learn not asking the questions, not reading, not consuming the content that you need to consume for you to learn and improve your, your knowledge of a specific field or industry. And that's really how this all started for me. That's why I did the ad tech God community, ask dumb questions, nothing wrong with it. If you don't feel comfortable asking it in an open forum, you know, you can DM people on, on Slack and ask them directly. I've noticed that, you know, 70 or 80% of all the conversations are happening in DMs on the Slack channel I have. And I think that's being sparked by someone posting something and maybe a little discomfort asking publicly that they don't know a particular topic and moving it to a DM and getting those questions answered. So I agree with you. Stay curious. Don't get comfortable. I think that's uh, great advice. Yep. And then also don't forget that karma is your boyfriend or girlfriend. So be generous with that expertise and Agreed. lift others up and don't take yourself too serious, you know, which I think ad tech God's one of the greatest testaments to to this mantra. I mean, look, this is either going to make me or break me, Sarah. <laughs> I'm in too deep to stop. It's become a part of me and it's become a part of my daily life and I love it. And I don't think I'd stop anyway. So let's make fun of an industry that can be stressful and uh, constantly changing is how I see it. I love awesome. it. You're very fair and benevolent God and one I can get behind. So appreciate Thank what you're you, doing yeah. for the industry. And I appreciate you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm really looking forward to releasing it. And I hope to speak to you soon. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the AdTech GodPod, a podcast for the people about the people that make AdTech great. Stay connected with me for more insights, trends, and interviews in the realm of AdTech. Don't miss out on our latest updates. So follow me on X, Instagram, and connect with me on LinkedIn. Don't forget, ATG Slack community has insights, networking opportunities, and jobs. Keep the conversation going and stay at the forefront of ad tech innovation.